Well, welcome to a, another podcast, um, and uh, we're good to be with you again. And uh, had Dr. Manley last week, a great time with Dr. Manley, and now we're beginning our next series, uh, 40. Um, Mara, why don't you give us a, a brief overview of the, the next series? All right, so basically chose the name 40 to um, give us the number of days that Jesus, after his um, resurrection, was here on earth. Um, talked about some of the, we're going to be talking about some of the interactions he had with his disciples, kind of his last um, parting words and thoughts to them, and um, overall just looking at a lot of the things that he said to them didn't, didn't stop there, and we're really just the beginning of something much bigger. So we're looking at the beginning of the church and how that was launched um, after his ascension. Okay. Josh, you want to read passage for yeah. last week? So for this week, we're uh, in John 20, 19 through 29. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of, of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger, and see my hands. And reach here your hand, and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing." Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. So this is, um, there's several uh, passages that, that are connected to this, or there, there's parallel passages. Next week will be in, um, in, in the Mark account, or not the, the Luke account, which is just a parallel with this. Um, what, what stands out? to you in this passage is there anything that stands out as you as you heard it or read through it thomas is always fascinating to me um just the just the dynamics there of for whatever reason he was not there um and so he kind of missed the the big reveal um but i think even more more than that like just the idea that the next time he was there and and so they're making making point of this and so just you know, my imagination just <laughs> goes wild there of you know why he wasn't there and then and then what it was like to get him back there, um, and but ultimately uh, with Jesus kind of giving him exactly what he needed uh, in his in his time of doubt. That's Except always been a eight days. Yeah, yeah. Just he wasn't in a days. hurry to um, to squash those doubts. He wasn't in a you know give quick answers. <laughs> he was okay with. With Thomas doubting that time. Eight out, eight out of the 40. So 20% of the time, he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's kind of interesting, though, because the, the fact that Thomas was there the second time, I feel like in a lot of ways it almost shows, like, a step of faith 
that Thomas took uh-huh. then, like almost this hope, uh-huh. like I'm having a hard time believing this, like I, I'm gonna need to see this for myself, but also like I'm betting that my best chance to experience this would be to be back with yeah. you guys. Yeah. And like that, I mean, I feel like that was almost a step uh-huh. that he took towards sure. faith. Yeah, I kind of think it, it was, it was that, but that came about because of the kind of the role or the convincing of the, the other disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, they talked him into taking that, right. which I think has profound implications of for us as the church. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, whether Thomas just had something else on his schedule or whether he, you know, intentionally kind of distanced himself. Um, the fact that the disciples went to find him to yeah. tell him about it and then the next thing we know is that he's coming with them mm-hmm. um, I think it gives us kind of uh, profound insight into what you know how we act as the church or, or our role that we may play in the church right because there's no way Thomas was coming back if they hunted him down and was like how dare you you right. missed it you're out like we yeah. were all together we saw him and you right. have no part of this yeah right or, like, or even worse yet yeah, just Forget just forget, Thomas. yeah, he, yeah. He, he's okay. gone, and so well. I mean, you know, could you really avoid on. gloating? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah well, the, the city missed out. I'm gonna right. show him what's up. Well, yeah. but but Peter's there, and Peter's denied Jesus, yeah. Yeah. and For so sure. it's it, it is weird why Thomas yeah. isn't there. Yeah, uh, I don't think even, um, and and I talked about this in the sermon a little bit. Uh, I don't think even encountering the resurrected Jesus, I don't think that renews their excitement. I, I don't. I think they're still like, okay, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they see in Jesus, okay, I got to follow you. Well, that didn't end well for you. And uh, and that's all they can see. It's mm-hmm. not until the giving of the Holy Spirit that they begin to multiply. And, and you know, I was doing that math stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, Paul says Jesus appeared to 500 brothers at the same time and that's plus women and children mm-hmm. so that means jesus showed up to about you know a thousand twelve hundred at one time plus all these other uh, gatherings and still there's only 120 in the upper room mm-hmm. so that means that um well and that's i, I think i used the point that head knowledge will get you into the upper room uh, but the spirit will send you mm-hmm. and, and and i think that's true i think that we have a lot of people that have head knowledge of jesus that were willing to go these upper room experiences we believe, uh, but to be sent, it takes the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, you can't just know about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I think there's also this weird thing. I mean, as I read through this, um, this idea that when Jesus appeared to them, it, appear, it seems as though he still has the evidence of his crucifixion. Like mm-hmm. that that is really, that's what Thomas needs to see. And that's kind of what he was saying. Hey, unless I see this. And so also then a part of me goes, okay, well, what other evidences of this horrible ordeal that he just went through is his body still bearing i mean yeah. like so is this not to like um again not in a family but like almost like a zombie type like this mm. this body that is alive but in all essence does not look like it could possibly be alive mm. and, and have survived what what had happened to it um and so i don't know so i get this kind of like i really wonder like almost in what physical condition was Jesus in that he still had these things to offer them as as proof of who he was? Mm-hmm. Well, that's always the phrase I've always heard. The only scars in heaven are the scars that Jesus bear, <laughs> which is, you know, it's a chilling, you know, that we're going to, you know, there's a reminder that there was a price to be paid mm-hmm. and, and that reminder, will it ever stop? Mm-hmm. And uh, So will that, 
that that just that <laughs> that phrase brings up an and is that is that real like I've heard really or, or, I've heard it preach so yeah, it's got to be real. but <laughs> but by that like if Jesus was physically resurrected and that's what we believe like we believe we will also experience resurrection and if Jesus still has the scars then like wouldn't that stand to say that like we would still have scars? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Never heard preachers say that. Well, so, so it can't they're be. wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that like I think that that's fascinating as well that the scar. Because you think of like this idea of physical resurrection, well, like, but he wasn't. He obviously wasn't completely restored to. Right, we're not talking about a glorified was, uh, body here. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but it just yeah. Like unless it, you it, have an answer it, for it, that, <laughs> don't ask. I don't know, but I, but I think I mean I don't know. Like if if Jesus's scars are still there after bodily resurrection, like why would I think that my you know seven inch scar on my knee from two knee surgeries would not be there? Would not be there. That's interesting. Yeah, and then this, it, there's so much mystery in this <laughs> that you know it. it you know, he's there, then he's not, he's coming through walls, he's eating food, he's, you know, he's, all, all this stuff, it, it's, or it seems like he's coming through walls, right? Uh, you know, or he's, he's just there, you know, he's, he's walking with these disciples all the way down the Emmaus Road, and it's, they're telling him all about this, and they don't know anything about, yeah. and he doesn't have scars that they see there. Right, and as soon as they recognize him, he's gone. He's gone. So it's, um, there, there's some aspects of this that, you know, I... <laughs> And, and the Mark things. account, which is probably the oldest account, doesn't give any of this. Yeah. It's just, tomb's empty. Mm-hmm. And it's as if everybody knows what happens after. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot unwritten in this story. Yeah. And uh, I, I wish there was more, but mm-hmm. I don't know. May, may we have all that we need for faith and salvation. Um, what I think else? that's the point of, I mean, well, just to... It's not just this account that is filled with mystery and and question, right? And so maybe that's maybe that's the point of this is this invitation to wonder and to imagine and and find ourselves in the story as opposed to here's all the answers. Here's all the answers, right? Yeah. yeah. I know as as I've grown older, older, <laughs> as a kid, I imagined this this time of resurrection a lot longer than 40 days yeah mm-hmm. for whatever reason in my mind i'm thinking oh there's teaching he's feeding people it's all right. this stuff mm-hmm. you know and and then as i grew older i realized wait a minute it's was, it was only mm-hmm. you know, seven weeks what five five weeks less than six weeks yeah. that he's there mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. so you know basically a month and a half and you know i guess i didn't catch that until later i mean yeah. and, and and then there's you know, you have the 40 days of Jesus is with them, and, and then you have this 10 days of waiting uh, for, for the Holy Spirit to come on Pentecost. So, you know, I guess all those numbers never added up until I got a little bit older. But it's, yeah, there's a lot of mystery to it. Yeah, for sure. What else do you guys see in the passage? The, uh, I, um, so the first, he says, peace be with you. Twice in that first appearance, Shalom. And once, yeah, and then once again uh, in that second appearance, eight days later. Um, I, it's it's kind of you know maybe it's just the way it's it's written, but uh, the disciples rejoice. He said, "Peace be with you," and then showed the, the hands in, inside, and um, the disciples did start to rejoice. So there was that kind of like a emotional like 
kind of reunion. But then immediately Jesus said, says, peace be with you again. But then he goes immediately into the mission, into to being sent, right? So like, hey, I'm back. Like, let's not get caught up on this uh, <laughs> on this party here. We've right. got work to do. Um, and it's it's right after that that he that he sends them. And I've always felt when you see the word peace, I I, I just number one, Jesus didn't use the Greek word there. If anything, he used the the Aramaic word, which is, was a version of the Hebrew word. I believe he probably used just the Hebrew shalom. Mm-hmm. I think that when you see these kind of greetings that Jesus is using a typical Jewish yeah. uh, greeting. And, you know, even when you get into the, the Sermon on the Mount, or, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, it ends with, blessed are the peacemakers, which seems kind of kind of odd, mm-hmm. for they shall be called the sons of God. They shall have the characteristics of God. And so I, I think what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes as he's progressed through that, you're, you're blessed when you're a wholeness bringer, a wholeness maker, because you're doing the things of God. Yeah. And so in this passage here, where I see Jesus saying, shalom be with you, the wholeness of God be with you. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You get to show other people this wholeness as well, yeah. because that's been my whole mission. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if you get into peace as the absence of conflict or, you know, the end of wars, and, you know, those are good things. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> shalom means so much more. I mean, it's holiness, it's right. grace, it's love, it's fullness, it's life. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, what's the word they say when you go to Hawaii? <laughs> Is that aloha? <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. one of those words. Um, yeah, I've been reading some of uh, Paul's letters the past few days. And again, he is always using that grace and peace. Like that's right. always his thing. And it was like this idea of like the kindness, like the goodness of God that is the only thing that brings that peace. Like so that those are like joined forever together. And so this idea of shalom, this idea of wholeness, it really cannot be found outside of outside of the grace of God. And um, I feel like I just love that. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus saying shalom, but also saying, hey, like I'm bring, like peace, but also like I'm I'm sending you to bring mm-hmm. that peace to yeah. be a peacemaker into the world. Yeah. Well, there's one point in scriptures, and I think it's in the upper room. He says, "My peace I mm-hmm. give you. Yeah. My peace I leave with you." Yeah. Where you just look yeah, at that? It's John, it's John 14, uh, 27. Yeah, it's that. This whole that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Um, but read in parallel with what's happening here. He's, you know, peace I leave you and peace I give you. Do not, do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I'm coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of like John is kind of writing this is the fulfillment of, of this um, promise. Because right before that, he also promises the Holy Spirit. Um, I wanted to focus on today, just for a few minutes, what we didn't focus a lot of time on in the sermon in verses 22 and 23. And when you, he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, which is fascinating in and of itself because then Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's something going on symbolic that Jesus is preparing them for what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And then verse 23, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Uh, anybody do a double take when you read that scripture? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, <laughs> It seems like a very... Uh, 
Well, a lot of responsibility. <laughs> right. First, I'm like, wow, that's, that's their responsibility. Yeah. Nope. Your sins, you're going to retain them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. That was the wrong answer. There's a lot of historical debate on this passage, as you might expect. Some believe that this is just an apostolic um, command or apostolic promise, that this is something that the promise, that the, pro, the apostles possessed. Uh, for the first 1,500 years, though, the church was the place of forgiveness. And so what, what the theologians and the historians thought was Jesus saying, there's going to be a church, and in the church, you're going to receive forgiveness of your sins through the sacraments, through absolution, uh, through confession. And that led to them selling indulgences. And, you, you know, just during church, you know, they're, they're selling to get people out of purgatory, uh, indulgences. Yeah. And this led to the Reformation. And this leads to Martin Luther justification by faith alone. Um, of course, we are Wesleyan. And Wesleyans spring from a different uh, place of the Reformation. We do not spring from the, the German Reformation with Luther. We spring from the Anglican Reformation. Why was the Anglican Reformation? What was that about? Anybody know? Gosh. This Church is out history. of my depth. Henry VIII's divorces. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Henry VIII, wanted, yep. as a matter of fact, for yeah. a long time, <laughs> Henry VIII right. was called <laughs> the right. defender of the faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and because he, um, Sir Thomas More wrote some justifications for the Catholic faith, but then when uh, Henry VIII wanted to divorce, <laughs> then right. all of a sudden he felt the need for a new church, yep. right. and that was the Anglican Church. And gotcha. Wesley yes. was a member of the Anglican Church. And yep. Wesley, uh, you know, the Anglican Church is closer to the Catholic Church right. than a lot of churches are yep. with regard to um, the importance of community, the importance of the sacraments. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I believe that as that flows, even though we have in the Nazarene church, there's definitely an evangelical yeah. um, sheen on us. We, we, we're not an evangelical church. We're, right. we're from the Methodist church. We're, we, we're not, that's not who we are. And, and so we spring from this ideal of the importance of sacrament, yeah. church, community, mm -hmm. relational discipleship is built into our DNA. Yeah. Uh, and every once in a while, I'll get some pushback on, um, on you know, if we try to do communion more than, you know, once a quarter, which has historically been in the Nazarene church and the early Methodist church, communion was once a quarter. The reason it was once a quarter was they had circuit pastors yep. that came around, and that was as often as they could get there. If, if Wesley had his way, the Methodist church would have had communion like the Anglican church every time. And so there was this importance of the sacraments, of confession, of, of, of the church being a bearer of salvation. So I, I thought, what, what do you think? What, what is the role of the church? What, what do you think the role of the church is in salvation? We, we, you know, it's kind of interesting that we just had this conversation with really Dr. Manley last week and this, this individualized um, view of salvation um, or this community view of salvation. How do we, how do we balance this passage? Um, I think, I think ultimately, um, I kind of, I kind of think of it as the church is the place that proclaims forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's not necessarily the church forgiving but it's the church proclaiming that 
there is forgiveness. Sure. Um, and, and, and so then I think of, you know, how this was kind of taken so far to another extreme of, of selling of indulgences and uh, kind of just really this almost corrupt way of, of handing out forgiveness, if you will. Um, the, power, the power of forgiveness in that kind of way of doing things was in the selling of indulgences or whatever, it, like in the actions or the, the things. That's where the power of forgiveness uh, lied. So if, if you paid enough indulgences, then you were forgiven. So the power of forgiveness is in those things or, or selling those things or, or whatever. Um, but in this, like in this passage, this is immediately after, like Jesus breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit and then says this idea of, you know, if you forgive, then, then he'll be forgiven. If you retain, then forgiveness will be retained. So it's like the power of the forgiveness there is the Holy Spirit. It's not the, it's not the power of the church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit through the church. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things of like, where does this authority of forgiveness come from? Um, when we twist it and when we, when we make it not what it's not supposed to be, then it's the power is in those indulgences or things. Mm -hmm. um, but truly Jesus is saying the power of forgiveness is in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Now what we believe is that spirit, like that happens through the church, mm -hmm. like in us, mm -hmm. yes, individually, but also through the church. Um, mm -hmm. That was a lot of rambling, I know, but it'd <laughs> be, be good for the next building campaign uh, that if we could sell indulgences. Absolutely, really absolutely, yeah. yeah. We would call the indulgences Holy Spirit, though, so yeah. that it would be, yeah. Now, I, I think one way to look at this um, is, is, and I wrote this in the notes: Are we saved or being saved? Mm -hmm. And and you are saved. But you're also in the process of being saved. That, yeah. that, that this is a, you know, that until the point of glorification, you know, we, we, we believe that you can walk away from salvation. And, but, but we also believe that God's in the process of sanctifying us, saving us, that there's, there's crisis moments along that path. And, and the church is part of that ongoing mm -hmm. Uh, pattern of, of being saved and I think there's that involved in this as well and I do believe that when he's saying this he is connecting it not with their work but the work of the Holy Spirit through them right which is important yeah um, no and I think sometimes the church can come in and around people because I think when you talk about selling indulgences or those kind of things like it's almost like I can look at these items these things that I've purchased and that is where I feel my justification I can be like oh it doesn't matter how I feel I can look at these things and know that I'm forgiven because I bought them like mm -hmm. so these own and I think sometimes the church can come around people who maybe are struggling to feel like I, I've repented I've, I, I know that God's forgiven me I'm just struggling to feel this and the church can kind of come around mm. that person as a reassurance of a hey this is this is what we believe you've confessed you believe like you are you are saved and you are part of our, our community. And so I think the church can be a place of reassurance sometimes when maybe people are feeling the distance, feeling the quiet, feeling the isolation. Um, and that we don't have to have things, but that we as a community can um, be reminding you of the truth. That's good, yeah. I mean, I think that's, there's a lot of power in that. That, there, that um, you know, we, we isolate our spirituality way too much. There, there's no question we do mm -hmm. that, that we... We um and, and it's I, I I'm always drawn to Bonhoeffer's writings when he's in prison, 
Mm-hmm. Bonhoeffer would always say that move towards God is not otherworldly and inward, but it's out towards others. <laughs> and, 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 you know, there was theologians, uh, Bart pushed back against what he was saying there. Um, and, you know, some of them thought it was just because he's in prison. And, you know, but, but I think he's right mm-hmm. that, that, you know, in First John it says, how can you love uh, God who you do not see mm-hmm. when you don't love your brother who you do see. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you know, the, our community gives us this tangible um, presence of, of, mm-hmm. of the Spirit, this presence of God, and and we should be affirming and helping people find and and move mm-hmm. further along the path of salvation. Mm-hmm. Like for me personally, I feel like there's little that informs kind of my um, my relationship with God or where I feel that way than me looking at my relationships with other people. And I start to notice the things that are that are the problems that I'm having in interpersonal relationships are often the very things that I'm realizing that I am holding on to or not. Um, I don't know that I've I've kind of kept as a, a barrier even in my my relationship with God. So I think there is a lot to what what our relationships with each other are like are very informative as far as where where we are at and in our spiritual walk. And that might not be true. That might not be how everybody. But I just know for me personally, I'm always like, oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I think you're <laughs> I'm right. Seeing that more clearly. If you can't be vulnerable with other people, the question becomes, can you be vulnerable with God? Mm-hmm. And if you can't be vulnerable with God, then you can't even can't even begin the journey. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, if we if we put shells on and mask on, I mean, mm-hmm. the mask we wear in sanctuaries are often the same masks we think that we're wearing with God, mm-hmm. even though we have an awareness that God knows us. Mm-hmm. Right. What other thoughts you guys have? I was thinking like the this idea of as the as the community, as the church, we come alongside someone and help them to live in that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But on the other like the, the flip side of this, and this is kind of the, the weight of this responsibility, is like that also means that we have the ability to kind of deny someone their forgiveness mm-hmm. and and like as I say that, I, I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know that we can deny that God forgives someone, um, but we can certainly do a whole lot of damage in, um, I guess maybe denying someone of the awareness of their forgiveness, yeah. or denying them the um, gift of wholeness. Yeah, in, in one for thing. sure, mm-hmm. for sure, which is a. Like that's a significant responsibility, right. um, and so so as a church, are we are we proclaiming forgiveness or are we doing the opposite? Mm-hmm. And you see that a lot with um, very legalistic churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pharisees had a, a way of just raising the bar just above what common ordinary people could live. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're a farmer that has sheep. Guess what? You you can't be at a place where you don't touch dead things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so by occupation, um, you know, fishermen. I don't think fishermen could could be clean. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you raise those bars to to that level, and and churches can do that. I mean, and even you know, we talk about using the next step language. Um, you got to be careful with that because the implication could be unless you're taking the next step you've not arrived you know you've arrived at your point of faith if you're at that point of faith where god has taken you to whether there's 
further to go along that journey or not. I mean, I, in my journey, there, there's more that God's calling me to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that I've not arrived at this moment and that I'm not fully, I, I'm whole now, even though there's more wholeness to God, yeah. if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. The now and not yet. Yeah, the now and not yet. I think that the way that we, the way that you frame the idea of next step is, is important there because truly next, like, Truly to say next step and, and use that language implies that like every single step along the way is significant. Yeah. Um, and, and I think by contrast, sometimes we, we say next step, but what we really mean is like ultimate step, right? Like final step. Yeah. And so someone who is, you know, 3000 steps <clears throat> before that, like placing that kind of expectation of your next step is now this huge leap to, yeah. as opposed to, uh, which, which is like, that's journey. I mean, I think that that's again, what kind of going, what we're talking about, like as Wesleyans, that's what kind of what we, we believe is that, that journey and that, that process. So that every single step is, and so your next step may not look significant to someone else who's way down yeah. here, but right. like, but it is. It is significant. Right. And sometimes we as a church may present something as a, hey, here's your next step. But that might not be the right next step for some people. <laughs> no yeah, yeah, yeah. For some people, that may actually be a step backwards, or it may just be too far yeah. of, of a leap. So I think there's yeah. sometimes making sure that the things that when we say, oh, well, I'm going to challenge you to do this, or I really, that may not be that the right next step for that uh-huh. person. That may feel unattainable to them. That's good. Hey, it's a, this is a hard scripture. I mean, I, I think that um, we could probably talk about it a long time, but it's a difficult scripture, and I don't, you know, I don't know that we have a full understanding of it, what Jesus is saying there, and I don't expect us to. I do know this, or I believe this with my very heart, that only God forgives sins, that I can't forgive anybody's sins. So if, if this was like it's plainly written that we can forgive sins, then this must have been just for the apostles because it's not for this pastor. <laughs> and uh, and I, I don't, I never have felt any ability to do that or any desire to do that. And uh, and I don't feel any conviction in saying that. Yeah. And so if, they, if that's what it means, um, and I've never met a pastor that I want to be responsible for my forgiveness. Uh, you know, I'm glad I can trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and what God has done. Yeah. But I think sometimes that there are maybe opportunities where we are almost that mouthpiece to yeah. reassure someone like God has forgiven you. Because I don't know sometimes like if I've done something wrong to somebody, it's really healing for me to hear that person say back to me, I forgive you. Right. And oftentimes those times when we are we're asking and God is forgiving our sins, we are we don't get that audible voice and so I think sometimes there are people that that is going to be so healing for them to have a conversation with someone and for them to reassure them and say you know that you are forgiven for this you Mm -hmm. know that you have asked and so um I think that is sometimes the gift that as followers of Jesus is is like that we we do get to speak that truth Mm -hmm. not that it comes from us but that we get to bring that wholeness I guess and I'm going to ask the hard question here though that's the first half before the semicolon (laughs) If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And I think if you're going to, and I yeah, agree with yeah. you, but I, as a pastor, I guess I have had people that have come in my office that there's been lifestyle choices that they're continuing to make that are completely contrary to God's word that I've had to say, 
it's not right. I, I can't, I can't justify. I know you want me to say, you're okay. You can do this, but I'm sorry, I can't. Um, is that? Am I wrong? But there's there's been times where I've just had to say I I cannot, based on how I understand God's word. I cannot say what you want me to say. This is okay. Mm. But that's not really. I mean, that's not really forgiveness, though, right? Because forgiveness would require a recognition of of wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I'm saying is she she's talking about the confirmation of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And there's been times in my ministry where I've not been able to give the confirmation. But that like they were, like if you're if you're still in that. Like that, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> like if if what what I hear you saying is that they wanted you to confirm them in what they were like right. in that lifestyle choice. So I, th- I I see that as different than wanting to be forgiven, because to be want, wanting to be forgiven would imply that that recognition of being in the wrong. Does that make sense what I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Well, what I'm it's saying is I, I'm saying I'm retaining the sins. I'm saying they're still there. I, I'm, I'm yeah, s- but right. they also haven't asked for like they yeah, asked no, for forgiveness. No, so it's yeah, kind of this no, idea of recognizing the people who are asking and seeking forgiveness like yeah. but the, pe- yeah. the people that aren't. Yeah. So again, but not that forgiveness we don't decide whether or right. not they are. Yeah. But I can see how that can and that's and, and I'll be honest when I have those conversations that is uh, you know I, 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 I that's always my out. You know, I'm I'm not God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't forgive or not forgive you, but as I read scripture, yeah. I, I can't say that that is acceptable to God. Yeah. I think part of it is and we've talked about this uh, in a previous I have no idea when it was, but we talked about forgiveness some. Um, imagine that we talked about forgiveness in the church. Um, this idea of like maybe getting caught up because of seeing forgiveness as this like a transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to this invitation of a way of, of doing life. And so that I, I think that kind of helps me with this. If you do not forgive them, they are not, forgive, for, not forgiven. Um, to not see it so much as this transaction thing, but like if, if I'm not proclaiming forgiveness, if I'm not inviting someone into this way of life of forgiveness, then how will they know? Yeah. And how will they, like, how will they know to join in on this this way of life? Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe for me that just takes off the pressure of like it's not me to withhold this transaction or whatever. But like, if if we're not inviting them into this this way of life, then how will they know? Like and, almost like if you tell them there's cake in the kitchen, they can have cake in the kitchen. If you don't. They won't get any. Yeah, like, right. yeah. It, it, you're not you saying like, you cannot have cake. Right, right. It's just you're not you're telling them about the cake. Withholding information from <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Hold on, is there cake in the kitchen? <laughs> you know, there's I think no there cake is an the- ice cream cake in the freezer. Oh, there, there is with some mm, old chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Those are at least three years old. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the chicken nuggets. I think so. When was the last time we did VBS? Yeah. I think that's 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 right. Right. Okay. Mm, anyway, anyway, yeah. I think it, it helps me to kind of. Like to to see this less as a transaction kind of thing, yeah, uh, and more of an invitation of to a way of doing life. Yeah. And this is you know it, it does lead yeah. into to next this Sunday we're going to be talking about uh, 
the repentance of sins. Uh, and, you know, this whole concept of, and we'll talk about this more in the podcast next week, I, I believe, or this whole concept of sin um, and how you explain that and how you talk about that will be highly dependent on who you're talking to. <laughs> you know, it's one thing for me to have an understanding of sin. Uh, it's another thing for somebody that's never been part of any religious body at all Mm -hmm. to have a concept of sin and it's something i can't convince somebody of it's something that the holy spirit does Mm -hmm. and so the approach has to be completely different and you know we've got to recognize that in our world that most of the people that we're dealing with uh, that we interact with at our offices probably the majority have not had a whole lot of religious training uh, in their life for sure yeah. Well, anything else? I just let me wrap. Well, uh, yeah, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it <laughs> I just, up. And there's then, a, and then you can pray. <laughs> shoot, I, I, I resent <laughs> that. I don't want no. Um, this is just uh, in a Wesleyan commentary, uh, and I think it's helpful. It is not. It is not for a disciple, or maybe we could replace that with church. It is not for a church to set terms for forgiveness case by case according to personal opinion, or to award forgiveness on the basis of a personal evaluation. Rather, the terms of forgiveness are everywhere the same and clearly announced to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It kind of takes the, the pressure off yeah. of that, right? Like it's not it's not my it's not my ideals, it's not my uh, uh, personal opinions, it's not my standard. It's the same everywhere mm-hmm. to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, all right, let's and let's put the worst case scenario. This I, I like that that that's beautiful. Um, all it is is that. But I'm going to continue to abuse my wife and my kids and my neighbors, and I'm going to do what I want to do. But hey, I've accepted. Mm, yeah. And, and see, I, I, I agree with yeah, that yeah, yeah. to that level. Sure. But there's still, I, I, there's still, still a point uh, where you have to say, you know, I understand what you're saying, but what you're living is not consistent with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right? Or not? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. But I, and I think that that probably leads into next week this idea of repentance. Um, there's there's kind of that. I I guess I guess I'm seeing like to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like I think we have made that a like a oh yeah I you know I believe yeah sure. But like if it's if it's if belief is not coupled with action, then I think that it's not. I, I don't I know. But I, I, told, I, I get what you're saying, yeah, for sure. I, I guess I would, I would put more weight into the idea of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, and, and perhaps that we, perhaps we miss that when we just use that language. Because um, I think you're right. I think we can look at lots of people through the history of the church who've believed the right things and said, you know, I believe those right things, but their actions, sure. In our culture, you will not run into many people that will not say, hmm. yeah, no, no, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, for oh, sure. yeah, for sure. And and I and you know when I die, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. I'm a Christian. And yet there's nothing, and you know, not that we yeah. judge that, but there's nothing in their life yeah. that would indicate that. So and, then, and and maybe maybe salvation is a lot broader than we imagine. I hope that's the case. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I hope it's a lot broader. And and but but as yeah. I understand Scripture, there's some things that God's yeah doesn't accept. Yeah. So, so then maybe 
our responsibility of the church then is to to shape the idea of what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What wholeness right? looks like. Yeah. Um, I mean, because even even if you take well, let, let's let's use an easy one. If you will not forgive your brother their sins, then my heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Yeah. Uh, not that that's an easy one, but I mean, there's definitely, even in the church, even as we come in on a Sunday morning, and I, and I think as a pastor, I, I would be, um, and I guess I'm pushing back on this a little bit. If I have somebody in my church that's saying, I believe in God, and I've trusted him, and I've accepted him for forgiveness, but I tell you what, that rotten sucker, I'm never going to forgive them. I think I have an obligation to say, well, you know, I want you to be aware that Jesus said this, sure. that what you're holding on to there, you know, if I understand the words of Jesus yeah. there, you're keeping God from fully forgiving you. Yeah. Do we do we go that far? I mean, but that's not. I mean, that's not your personal opinion and personal evaluation, right? Like that's that's scripture. That's 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 what we. Well, let's face it. We can. We well, can yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have so tattoos yeah. in Leviticus. It says not yeah. to have tattoos. So I'm sorry. Yeah, and we, we do that. Right? Yeah, like that's, mm-hmm. let's be honest. We we do that. Um, we apply scripture oftentimes to fit our our perception, yeah. our need, mm-hmm. how we've been brought up. Sure. Um, and so, but but again, they're like that's to me like that's the beauty and the role of the church, us, but also the church universal. Yeah. Um, coupled with you know two thousand years of of tradition and and church history and. Um, Basically, a whole lot of people who have been doing this for a whole lot of time, whole lot, whatever, a long time. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, we don't do that. Like, it's not just this vacuum where, you know, you have decided. No, it's what community is, and scripture. Yeah, yeah. And, and community here, but also community. Uh, Wesley's quadrilateral, right? right. Where mm-hmm. it's all of, of those things coupled. And I think there's a lot to be said for this idea of really unpacking what does that really mean, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, because that's not just saying, do you believe that he existed as a man here? Like, Uh do you believe in him as the Lord Jesus Christ? And if he's the Lord, then he is the, he is sovereign. He is the ruler. And so that he should have authority over every area of your life. So if you believe in him as your Lord, right, exactly. (laughs) So I think that there's the difference between saying, oh, I believe in God. Like I said, I believe that God exists or I believe in God as my Lord and Savior. And so I think, I think we sometimes use that word believe casually. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in this? Do you believe where it's like, well, no, no, but if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm saying a whole lot about what's going to orient my life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, that's role of discipleship yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and getting through there. And so then I, I, I'm just thinking, we're probably way over on time here, but I'm just thinking of that, that example that you gave of someone who is here and is forgiven in proclaiming that they're forgiven, but then also withholding this kind of this grudge against someone else. And, and so I'm like, if, if we're truly kind of teaching that process and like as opposed to as opposed to saying like maybe you're not forgiven because you're not forgiving this then let's how about we walk alongside you on this journey and as we do this uh, trusting that the holy spirit is going to reveal that oh shoot i'm i'm holding some bitterness and some some grudges and um 
into a sense that that is an unbelief. That is maybe not believing that Jesus meant what he said mm-hmm. and not taking his words mm-hmm. at, at full value. Yeah. You know, I think that's where you get to the language we're being saved. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed right. to there's, just a, yeah. you know, there's a moment, there's a crisis. Yeah. But let's face yeah. it, we're, we're all in process. Right, yeah. and the, I mean, yeah, yeah. the renewing of our minds, the transforming of our minds, yeah. like that that is, that is a lifelong yeah. process. And it's always going to be the, almost the next thing that comes to your mind, like, whoa, that is in conflict with yeah. me saying that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. I can't hold on to that anymore. Yeah. And that, and I think that the, a lot of that stems from, again, this, like being caught up on this, this transactional mm-hmm. moment. And, and let's, like, let's take it a step further. We've also coupled that with this idea of am I going to get into heaven or not heaven? like that's what all this boils right like this, that's what this stems from I want to know if I'm forgiven so that I can make sure I don't miss out on heaven right and, and I think that when we when we boil everything down to that like we miss so so much of of this am I a sheep or a goat yeah. <laughs> that's the question of life am I a sheep or a goat yeah, yeah. so all right anyway I think cool. you're going to pray us out. I didn't mean to open up a whole other no. conversation. No. Hey, now that you've no, got good. that solved, that, that is good. the final answer. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. We've got it. Yeah, we're done. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your forgiveness. Uh, thank you that you have also invited us into a life of forgiveness. God, I pray that you would uh, help us uh, here on staff or in our congregation, but ultimately us as a church uh, who desires to follow Jesus, God, would you help us to, uh, to know what it looks like to proclaim your forgiveness, uh, to invite other people into this, this life of forgiveness, this life of following you, truly following you. Uh, God, uh, as we're talking of this, I, just, I can't help but think of the, the significant responsibility that we have as the church. And so I pray that you would help us, give us wisdom and guidance and discernment and Uh, in knowing what to do with that and being good stewards of that responsibility. God, thank you for this conversation uh, and pray that you would bless us the rest of this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. amen.